We are the young adult ministry of Church of the Harvest, located in Olathe, Kansas. Every week, we will explore the challenges, opportunities, and struggles that many young adults face, and how faith is practically applied throughout this incredible season. For more information, visit our website or our young adult Instagram. What's up, everybody? Welcome back, finally, to the Harvest Young Adults podcast. Pastor Royce, I'm here with... Kristen McAfee, so happy to be here. Wow, we made it. Look at us. I know. Look at us. It only took us like 15 tries. Seriously? Um, How many times have we got together, recorded a podcast, and did not for whatever reason? It's a learning process. We can't be too hard on ourselves, but it's been a journey. Listen, in (laughs) God's providence, here we are right now coming to you. And uh, we're super excited. Um, we've got some really fun stuff to to dive into. Yes. Some just really practical, good stuff. But before we do all of that, Kristen. Yeah, you guys, let up? me update you on what's going on in my world. So, uh, Pear. Maybe you've heard about Pear. Maybe you Hold haven't on, heard like about Pear. Not no, the fruit. Not the fruit. No, no. Like no. P A I R, oh, okay. the acronym. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. um, I think it has something to do with being proactive, accountable. Okay. Irresponsible? No. no. <laughs> you know the word intentional, intentional and reflective. reflective. Yes, yes, yes. If you've <laughs> known me at all for the past three years, this has been a passion of mine, a group that really encourages people in their 20s and 30s to really dive into what it means to grow in life, be healthy in life in all areas. And so we've been meeting on a monthly basis uh, since the beginning of the year, 2021. Um, once a month in Gartner, we've been hanging out, getting together. Um, our next meeting is actually the end of this month, Sunday, March 28th. Okay. Um, if you're interested in getting the contact info for that, or not the contact info, sorry, the location info, um, we meet at the ARC in Gartner. Um, we can hook you up with the address and things like that. Um, we have our website, www.gartner.com mypaircommunity.com right. you can check up on some things there we're working on the website so if you get on there and you're not seeing things um just hit me up mypaircommunity at gmail.com and i can give you that information you can text pastor royce you can text me and we can let you know where in gartner that is march 28th at 3 p.m we'd love to see you there but we also have a podcast that's been yeah um growing and starting i'm learning a lot with that but if you go to www.anchor.fm slash pair p-a-i-r you can find um just more about the story of pair what it is and hopefully be encouraged by it so check it out it's a super uh it's a, an amazing thing i know we've been able to uh host the the pair connect conference in the summer here for the yeah. last few years and so um, this is our fourth year. Can I know, you believe it's it? Crazy. And this is, as you know, you guys. So just, so just so you guys are aware, like this is um, from the inspiration and invention of Kristen. This isn't like something that's connected to a, a different input source or whatever. Like they're running with this thing, and they've been able to impact literally hundreds, if not thousands, of people's lives um, through just practical. Um, tools that 
really genuinely make a huge difference whenever you look at life in a significant way. Yep, I appreciate the love and support. Like, it's been a cool journey, so join us. I'm super glad you guys got a podcast, too. That's fun. I know. It's It's, so great. I'm so stoked about it. I love the process. So, um... I do want to want to kind of get into things. So, for those of you that don't know, number one, if uh, if you're not already, um, then go on Instagram, follow uh, Church of the Harvest Young Adults um, on our Instagram. It's just Church of the Harvest uh, Y or Young Adults, um, and so you can find us there. Uh, all of our updates, so all of our meeting times and, and how we're doing, what we're mm-hmm. doing, things like socials. We're trying to plan a, a bonfire here going up pretty soon for just like a social event. And then all of our weekly meetings um, are happening. We've been doing that for about a little over a month now um, that we've been back in. Um, it's, it's super COVID safe. Uh, you can wear a mask, you can not wear a mask, you can, you know, social distance, we give room for space for stuff like that. And so we're trying to be sensitive to everyone's sensitivities, but um, but we are meeting. We and I think one of the things that you know 2020 afforded us was for us to look really long and hard at how we value and prioritize community. Yes. And one of the things that I learned to I guess kind of like verbalize is that community is not passive. I think so many people and, and because like especially if you're younger in your 20s, um, school kind of creates this this passive community Mm -hmm. where it just kind of happens right or maybe you're on a team or you're a part of a a community a sub community within a school context or whatever and community is just kind of like handed to you yes and then you meet life yes and you can choose to engage it's it's gonna exist whether you're there or not almost but then you like you you eject from that scene and you know no longer is community just handed to you and you learn oh i have to be a i have to commit and be consistent and initiate sometimes to be in community so yeah. it's no longer passive now it's purposeful and i think it's super funny i was sharing with with kristen just a little bit ago um since we've been uh since we've been meeting we've had like a whole just like host of people it's like 45 to 50 like young adults that have been like through our meetings but we've never had more than 20 at a time in one place and like it's really funny because somebody will show up one week and be like well where are those kinds of people and it's like yeah they were here last week and they bailed because you weren't here right or you know the the vice versa mm-hmm. or whatever and so it's just been a really interesting it's like herding cats except you know it's human beings <laughs> right <laughs> so that's been great it's a little harder <laughs> yeah you know it's just the thing uh but no it's just about i think just like anything else and you have to learn that it's just it doesn't matter if it's gonna like it, answering the question how does this serve me um, becomes really lacking whenever it comes to the commitment of community that we're called to have yeah. and we're called to create. Yeah. So um, long story short, though, we, we started diving into uh, a series that we've been calling Race, Religion, and Relationship, just talking through, looking at each of those things specifically. Um, how, do we, how do we live biblically in view of race and ethnicity and what does the bible have to say about that what do other world religions where do they land on these types of topics and then um 
the relationship piece because if you know me at all, here, here's one of the things you know. You know I get super um, analytical about certain things, especially within language. And when you look at Christianity, it, it no longer falls within the realms of a religion. Um, and it, it, is, it is more of a relationship because of the intersection of grace. So I'll dive a little bit more into that, I'm sure, throughout the, the conversation. But um, so that's where the, you know, kind of the relationship. And then how does that, how does that uh, translate mm -hmm. then horizontally through the relationships that I have, the relationships that I intentionalize? Right. And the relationships that I commit myself to. So that's kind of what we've been talking about. Yeah. And that, I think that's really important, especially with all the things that have been going on in our world. It's it's kind of like you can get lost trying to figure out, OK, as a Christian, as a believer, how am I supposed to filter through this? Because right. I have a lot of friends, a lot of family that are really opinionated and they're coming at me strong. And they're, right. some of them are saying the exact opposite of the other person. And, and where do I land? Where do I go and you know how can i be strong in my own opinion and make sure it's not just me but i want it to be biblical i want it to be something that's um spiritually sound as well, well. And i think i think one of the things that's been so i guess kind of polarizing to me is is really before we even get to how, how do i uh answer or how do i respond or or you know where do i land on that because we did get th so much thrown at us in, in this like vacuum of time called uh you know a natural pan or a i'm sorry a global pandemic um you know we had the issues of that that were already socially anxious and then you kind of throw in the rest of it and it just kind of creates this perfect storm, if you will. But, but the thing I think that's most important to realize before we go to answering questions, before we go to picking sides, is um, where I've just been so vividly reminded of what Paul says to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 6.12. And in Ephesians 6, so everyone knows Ephesians 6 this is the whole armor of God. But, but, mm -hmm. but before that, what he prefaces is that, the wet, that our warfare right it's it's not against people it's not against flesh and blood it's yeah. against principalities powers and rulers of the spiritual forces of the air and so so what we see here is that before we go to answering questions and picking sides what we really need to be very clear on is anything that tries to disrupt right relationship between one human being to another human being Anything that seeks to separate, divide, whether it's an opinion, whether it's a, a political issue, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, if it's, if it's end result is that I am divided away from another person in right and reconciled relationship, then what we need to see there is that this is not a situational thing and it's not an even opinionated thing. It's a spiritual thing. That's good. And That's so really we really have to be very sensitive to discerning what is spiritual. And, and I'll be honest, like, I think there's been just so much information that's been thrown at, especially like people that, you know, you're not young in the sense that you're not an adolescent, but you're not wise yet necessarily either. And so even just the social experiment that we're in with things like social media and mm -hmm. internet access, and we have all this information all the time, 
we don't necessarily even know how to discern between what is correct and what is incorrect within that information. And I think that lends to, it's a, it makes it all the more difficult then to how do we then spiritually discern. It's like, I can't even discern the information that's natural. How do I discern? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't even know what's correct and what's incorrect yeah. or what's been being fed at me with an agenda for right. some type of this or that, right? And so then it's like, well, well, if I can't even nail that down, then how am I even supposed to begin right. with, whenever it comes to spiritual things? Um, and so, you know, I think 2 Corinthians 10.4, um, it's always been like a staple verse for me, you know, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting right? down Cast, imaginations. Casting out imaginations. That word is actually interchangeable with anxieties. Interesting. I it's didn't a, know it's that. It's a really, it's a, it's kind of a fascinating word. But like whenever you, whenever you, um, if you, if you reverse engineer, like which the verse does, like it says, casting out um, or tearing down of strongholds, casting out of imaginations, taking every thought captive into obedience unto Christ. And so we follow the, if we kind of reverse that progress, what we see is a thought turns into an imagination, an imagination turns into a stronghold. And so it's like this thing that isn't real. It's just a scenario that we've pictured in our head. So then how do we kind of flip it? How do we understand how do we discern spiritually? Mm -hmm. it's, that, it's, that core, it's that first step. We take every thought too captive. captive yeah and so you, you know you have that and little... it's active yeah it's an active thing i feel like people who try to just like okay i just won't think about that anymore it's like no you're probably going to think about it until you actively come up with okay how can i take this thought this right. imagination this thing that's not like god and get it out like that takes some action, intentionality, yes. if you will. You, you definitely, life is intentional. Yes. Like you find life is very proactive and it is very intentional. And yes. so I think that those are just kind of some, you know, understanding that the, the landscape is not scenario. Mm -hmm. The landscape is spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's, that's key. That's, that's, that's thing is, number one. Yeah. It's and a whole I, different framework. Oh, it's a, well, yeah, you, you come from a, uh, an entirely different premise. Right. Whenever you don't pro approach things situationally, like the, the language that I've been using a lot lately is um, it's, it's this understanding. It's it's coming from the initial place of understanding. I am not primarily a human being who has spiritual experiences. Hmm. So think about that. I'm not a human being who has spiritual experiences. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. I like that. It's, it it, it kind of like brings everything into focus because they, and, and it may, it's logical too because we understand our consciousness is beyond our own self and our own senses, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's interesting like in nature, do you know how they measure or they define sentience in nature? Like if we are studying... I don't even know what sentience is, so <laughs> Yeah, no. sentience is like an awareness of existence. Okay, like a consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, the way that science measures uh, it, whether or not a species is sentient is if they are community-driven. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's species that, that establish communities, which is a byproduct or a, uh, a consequence of being self-aware so whenever we're self-aware what we begin to realize is that there's more than just what i can sense by myself and there's things that exist that are immaterial 
They're not mm -hmm. sensible. The book of Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about this because it says everything under the sun is meaningless. And the, and the inference there, if you read into it, what, what Solomon is getting at is there's got to be something beyond the sun. There's got to be something beyond the experience of humanity. And this kind of wars up against... Our, I think our day-to-day, -day, there's something that just tugs at us and says there has to be more to life than this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I think it comes out through our understanding of this thing that, you, and you can call it whatever you want, right? Like, I meet people at the gym and they're like, you got good energy. And I'm like, I, I call that a spirit, you know, but yeah. cool, rock and roll, whatever yeah. rocks. Whatever, you know, you rock with, whatever floats your whatever boat. Whatever makes sense to you. But but we and we've even like kind of culturalized that language. Like you you, you hear people like they vibe with that or right. you know, they match your energy or yep. you know, and so it's like we, we can kind of begin to see that we are, we're primarily spiritual and our spirit lasts far beyond our body. Right? Our body's breaking down, it's decaying and it's it's going away. Yeah. And while our body is removed, our spirit will remain. And then, and of course, we, we believe in the, you know, the resurrection of the dead and that we'll be given new bodies. Those bodies that can, there are vehicles that can hold and, and understand that which is spiritual and discern. Yeah. But I think it's about starting there. And I think I, what I've come to with people is I'm not going to argue that into you. <laughs> like, I'm not going to argue you to con be, con to convince you mm -hmm. that you're primarily spiritual and you're having a human experience. Like, if, like I, I hope that everyone can come along with that. And sure, there's language to bring you along. But if everyone doesn't come along, I, like, I, we got to go. We got we to gotta move because there's very real social issues that we can't just spend all of our time over here arguing about right. this or, or like trying to compare notes or whatever. Like we really do have to start with understanding our spiritual nature and that, that the things that are going on, that there is a, it's almost like that there's a behind the curtain. Like an reality. invisible layer. Yeah. I mean, and, and Paul talks about it in Ephesians 6. He says, look, you know, it's the ruler's and the authorities and the spiritual darkness of the air. And I don't think I have to like argue anyone into the reality that evil exists. Right. Like there's people that don't believe in God that believe in the devil, which is kind of crazy, but it's like, we are hyper aware. That's scary <laughs> to yeah, just think of the right. devil. <laughs> That's it. God, I need you. I need, I need to think of that. Well, and, you know, there's a whole lot of like kind of misconceptions and stuff like that. But anyway, um, but I don't, yeah, it's like another, one of those things. I don't think I have to argue you into understanding evil and evil exists. Right. I think anyone who's ever experienced pain, loss, death, sickness. Injustice. Fear. Yep. Anxiety. Like they, they, they bump into the rulers of the spiritual force, forces in the darkness of the air. But like, it's kind of like, okay, how do we get here? How do we get into this? Like, okay, yeah, there's these scenarios that are happening. Political tensions are high in 2020. Mm -hmm. But it's like, when we can spiritually discern that. We need to see that there is like violence in the heavenlies. Like there is something of value for God's people in that season that the enemy is trying to keep us from. And he is pulling out all the stops to keep us from uniting and being unified yeah. together. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the beginning of the conversation, I think it just, it, it's our... It's our understanding and or exposing our lack of understanding 
of uh, you know really what happened in Genesis, what happened mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of it all when God created, you know, because at some point we have to ask the question, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how do we go from the garden to going through seemingly re-rehearsing things like systemic racism and things like police brutality and things like those things that should that are human issues being used for political agendas you know it's like how do we get back here because like we did this in 1968 we did it and we did it in a pandemic yeah 1968 was the height of the civil rights movement you had the end of segregation and a pandemic and we missed it then and it's like we're doing it over again over here. Same lesson. Yeah, so it's like, what did we not learn over here? And right. I think part of it, I mean, there's a lot to it, but I think part of it is we really misunderstand the reality of the harmony and unity that God created all things in. And that on the top of that creation, on the last day of creation, he had spoke everything into existence. And he said, no, this one's so important. I got to get my hands on it. And not only am I going to get my hands on it, but I'm going to put my face on it. And I'm going to make man in my image and in my likeness. And I'm going to give him dominion over all that's created. And then he breathes life. His his word, it's literally the pneuma is what it's called, is the uh, inspiration when you like inspire is to breathe out. Mm-hmm. It's the inspiration into Adam and he becomes alive. It's really funny. Um, I was, uh, I need to find this. I have this note um, because a lot of people, like when you talk about Genesis and you talk about the creation narrative and you talk about Adam and Eve, people are like, hold on, man. Like everybody came from, you know, one people group. Like, that's crazy. Like, there's no way that's that's even biologically possible. So check this out. Uh, there's, there's a guy. He is the lead uh, microbiologist at, at New York Institute of Technology. Okay? He is not a believer. I believe he's actually Indian, but he's a microbiologist. Okay? His name's uh, Michael. His last name is really hard to pronounce, but it's, I believe, Hadjigaru. Good believe. try. I believe you. H-A-D-J-I-A-R-G-Y-R-O-U. However you say it. I I believe it's Hadjigar. Okay. But the fact that he's a professor, it's like you got to pronounce that right. But here's what he has to say. Okay. He says, despite notions to the contrary, there is only one human race. Our single race is independent of geographic origin, ethnicity, culture, color of skin, or shape of eyes. We all share a single phenotype, the same or similar observable anatomical features and behavior. Science highlights these similarities in our embryonic development, physiology, our organ-based systems, biochemistry, our metabodies and reactions, and more specifically, genomics, our genetic makeup. As a molecular biologist, this last one is indeed the most important to me. Data shows that the DNA of any two human beings is 99.9% identical, and we all share the same set of genes, scientifically validating the, the existence of a single 
biological human race and one origin for all human beings. In short, we are all brothers and sisters. That's what the lead chair of NYIT at microbiology says. He says, no, when you look at DNA and RNA, when you look at the singular building blocks that make all human beings human beings, he says it's the same people. We're the same people. So if, for those of you that don't know, uh, Kristen has a little bit darker complexion of skin than I do. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm Scots-Irish-American, <laughs> so I like turn into a fork in the, uh, the sun. Like if you, like I, I burn easily. My, my daughters make fun of me. Um, and, and Kristen shares a different color of skin than I, uh, than I do. But, but here's practically what, what science and what the Bible would say is that the Genesis origin that we are family is so much more real than what we can think and it's absolutely how we should relate because think about it like this god decided that atop all of the creation of everything that existed he was he valued humankind above all of it Mm -hmm. and that is the beginning of the conversation of how we live in a society that both values the heritage of race and also lives reconciled and in harmony with one another. I believe that both those things are vital. We have to value, look, I I can say that we're brothers and sisters, right? Like I can say, science can say that, the Bible can say that, we can say that, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make your experiences the same as mine. Right. And it doesn't make my experiences the same as someone else's. And, and it doesn't make our heritages the same, or it doesn't make those things that should not be celebrated, understood, and validated. Yeah. Right? So it's like, okay, now how do we learn how to do this? Because there's a difficulty, and we'll get into that next time. We'll episode. get into it. I'm stoked to dive deeper into this. I'm looking forward to it. I think that was so important to just go over just that spiritual awareness of things. And just the understanding that we are one race, one people, and we're learning to do life the correct way because we've been doing it wrong for a while. Well, and this is the the last thing that I'll say, and then we'll kind of move on, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. But I think that the thing that's been such a big deal to me is that the, the gospel specifically is the only place that provides... The, the clear solution to mm. these issues. Yeah. And I, I can say that both empirically, coming from a data standpoint of just other world systems and other, um, uh, other world views and what fuels those world views. Um, but I can also say that experientially in how I have been uh, led to live my life by the way that the Gospels fueled it. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And I think that when we look outside of the gospel to provide the solution that only the gospel can provide, then what we do is we begin to put undue pressure on systems and on processes and on legislation and on people that will only disappoint us. So what that means very practically is, is that if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you have a very specific job to do. And your job is to be a reconciler. 
mm. in the earth. And mm -hmm. it's not someone else's job. It's not some politician's job. It's not a president's job. There needs to be laws and legislations, absolutely. But so much more than there needs to be anything else. There needs to be brothers and sisters sitting across the table, mm -hmm. having conversations and purposing. What I mean by purposing is that it doesn't make sense. You go out of your way to be in relationship with people yeah. that don't look like you, that don't believe like you, that don't think like you, that don't live like you, yeah. that have a diverse reality that you don't have. And that doesn't mean that you're going to agree on everything. But if anything, we need to learn how to disagree well. Yes. You know, and it's still not value the like, person. Absolutely. How do I disagree with you and value you? Yes. Like that's not like a boomer issue. <laughs> like that's like a now yes, like no this kidding. generation issue. So we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah. Have I'm fun. excited. Peace.